what was it, PJs in a, a coffee in front of a computer screen, right? And this year, some of your dad's like, oh, can we go back to that? Just this one Sunday, I'll have to buy the dresses, the outfits. And, you know, our own Pastor Jonathan has been looking all weekend for a pastel suit. I praise the Lord that he did not find one. Um, although I'm a little sad because I'd have jokes for a whole year after that, but, uh, but he didn't find one. But it just looks different. And I'm happy you guys are here. You all look wonderful. And I, I would take this 20 times over what we had last year. And uh, we're just happy to be together in the Lord's house this morning. I want to thank you guys, those of you who came out and helped us work yesterday. We had our big Easter egg hunt, and it went amazing. Pastor Clayton and his crew did a wonderful job. Uh, over 5,000 eggs were out there. I'm sure there's still a couple, but we'll let the cows find them. And uh, they'll be a good chewing toy for the cows later on. But, uh, but it was a great day. Had a lot of kids, a lot of smiles, gave away a lot of hot dogs, a lot of popcorn, and we just had fun. And so thank you guys for making that possible. Thanks for giving. Every time you give to the church, this is, what, this is our passion, is to give it to our community. And so that's what we did yesterday. We had a great day and, and a lot of fun. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And so today is Easter Sunday. It's kind of a big deal in the Christian world, you know, Easter Sunday. People relate to our Super Bowl. I don't know if I'd say that because it's kind of bigger than the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, come on. And so it is, it is a special day. Why? Because the stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. And we have sort of a risen Christ today, right? Amen. That's something we celebrate because today we celebrate the best news in the history of the world. I mean, literally, the best news. Because understand this, everything we ever talk about here, Biden, hinges on these two things, right? It hinges on the, the good, goodness of God and the resurrection of his son. That's it. I mean, without those two things, what are we here for? That's what we're here for. We celebrate the goodness of God and the resurrection of his son. And so we're happy today. We're excited today. Guys, we get to stand in confidence. Why? Because our God has conquered death. That means a lot to me. I don't know about you, but that means a lot to me. That gives me confidence this morning. And so this morning, you're probably going to hear an Easter message you wasn't prepared for, because quite honestly, I wasn't prepared for it. We've been going through this series. If you haven't been with us here at Brighton, we've been going through a series, and it turned into a series. It was supposed to be just one sermon. It has kind of kept going for four weeks now. It's been going. But the, the premise of the series is called Battle Ready. And here's the idea behind battle ready, because I started off that first sermon by asking, how's your arsenal? For some of you guys, you got pretty excited. It's all right, this is my time to shine. You know, let me show you what I got in my arsenal. It wasn't quite that, but it was close to that. And so what the premise was is we are in a spiritual battle, yet so many of you choose to ignore the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. And here's what that looks like. We go through life, and we chalk a lot of life up to what? Well, that's just life. That's just life. We even say it. We go through things, and we, we experience things, and you say, well, I'm a fearful person. 2020 has not helped you at all, has it? But you say, well, I'm just a fearful person. Well, I'm just this. I'm just an anxious person. Or I just have this habit I've always dealt with. I've always dealt with it. And it'll always be part of my life. Why? Because it's just life. And so we chalk it up to life and we pay no attention to it. But the fact is, you're in a spiritual battle. Because the fact is, that is not who you are. That God has called you to be his children. God has saved you. God has given his life, his son's life for you. And so we, 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 we ignore the fact that we're in a spiritual battle... And so we just give in and we say, okay, that's just who I am. 
And doing that, you're locking yourself in a self-made prison. And you shut the door and say, well, it's just life. You know, Satan is the father of all lies. The Bible tells us his native tongue is lies. So think about this. If you go to war, what does your enemy want you to do? Well, I guarantee you, your enemy does not want you to fight, do they? So your enemy's best bet was to get you to choose to ignore the fact that you're in a battle. Because when you ignore the fact that you're in a battle, you don't fight. And that's when it's captured. The enemy has you at that point. And so instead of going by what this says, instead of believing that when it says God chose you from the very foundations of the earth, so meaning before the earth was even created, God chose you to shower you with love. So instead of choosing to accept that, you accept the fact, well, this is just who I am. I'm just no, I'm just no good. I'm just, I'm just a loser. I'm just this. I'm just this. And choosing to ignore the fact that you are redeemed, this says. You say, well, I, I will never be this. I will never be that. And so we say what? Well, that's just life. And so I say, stop believing the lies of the enemy. Stop believing these little things that says, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. Start believing the word of God. Start believing when it says he picked you. Start believing when it says that you're more than conquerors. Start believing these things. And start living these things as the truth. And engage the enemy. Engage that you're in a war. Engage that there's a war for your soul. And when you accept that, well, this is just life, you're giving in. And so we've, we've, we've identified some lies that the enemy tries to tell us. One of the lies the enemy says is, is I, you know, I don't feel God. I get that all the time. They'll come up to me after service, and we have an amazing service. And say, I just, Pastor, I just didn't feel God today. You know, if they would have sang my song, you know, you got that one worship jam. When that comes on, man, you get the goosebumps, the hair in the back of your neck stands up. I mean, you just get all tingly, right? And that's your jam. But if that's not on, and it's like, well, the worship team, they just really didn't do it for me today. I just didn't feel God. And so the enemy wants you to think that, you know, you messed up this last week. Or, you know, you made some choices that God really wasn't smiling about. You know, you let some things in your life. You listened to a few jokes that went a little too far. You, let, you know, your internet browsing was a little too much for him to take this week. And so, you know, you didn't feel God because you screwed up. Or because you did this, or because you did that. And then when we believe the lie, we stop pursuing God. And we just say, okay, well, this, that's just who I am. You know, I, God doesn't care for me right now. We believe the lie. When in fact, the Word of God tells us what? When his disciples, when Christ left, his disciples were getting ready to go out, right? Go conquer the world. Go evangelize the world. He says, stop, wait, wait. Don't go to what? To receive my spirit. So God in his wisdom says, you know what? I know I sent them my son. I know they got the message, but I know they need a little bit more help. So he has given us his spirit to live inside of us. Are you kidding me? So you know what that means? 24-7, you can have the presence of God in your life. When you're walking at Walmart, the place is hard to hold on to your salvation. You can have the Spirit of God in you. Right? That's what it means. That's what the Word of God says. But so many times, like, we come to church, we're like, well, I just didn't feel it today. 
That's an attack from the enemy. Trying to get you to listen to all the lies and believe that God's not with you. When the Bible says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That's the presence of God. So that's a lie of the enemy. Another lie that we, we addressed was the, the lie that God doesn't care. God doesn't care because he doesn't even hear me. You know, so the first one was faith over feelings. The second one we, we, we addressed was faith over doubt. Because how many times you guys prayed a prayer and it's like, you feel like you're hitting the ceiling and it's hitting you back. You feel like this is not going nowhere. You know, you toss up a prayer and it's like 50-50 whether it's going to be, you know, he's going to come through for you or not, you know. And so we, we come with this, this, the lie the enemy comes in when you pray and says, well, you know, God didn't hear you. Because like, you got this and this in your life and this is happening and, you know, he just really doesn't even care about you anymore. And so what do we do? We give up, don't we? We go back to our little prison and we shut the door and say, well, God doesn't even hear me anymore. And we no longer pursue him. And all the while, the enemy's just smiling, laughing. He's like, I've got them. They don't even know they're in a fight and I've got them. And so we learn about faith over doubt and how to keep pursuing him and keep going after him. And today, today we're going to look at the lie that God's not fair. God's not fair. You know, you hear this a lot. God's not fair. Chances are pretty good that you ask this or you know somebody's asked this, but why doesn't God seem fair? Or better yet, why, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? If you ever ask that question, you're not alone. That question has been asked for years and years and years and years. Just look at Abraham. Abraham asked that question. Abraham said, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? And turn to the Psalms. David constantly says this, right? David writes, you know, God, why didn't you answer my prayers? God, where are you? God, why don't you deliver me? God, God, you don't seem fair. And I think everyone in here, if I ask, could raise your hand and say, I've said that one time or another. I've asked the question, God, why does bad things happen to good people? We feel like David so many times, all right, the voices in our head get louder and louder, and God doesn't care. God likes them better than he likes you, or God doesn't like them. And we end up allowing the enemy, get this, this is brilliant on the enemy's part. We end up allowing the enemy to tell us who God is. Are you kidding me? Wake up! This is what we're allowing. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to replace the lie with the truth. Some biblical truths. You know, because I know some of you are in here this morning, you're like, I, I, I believe, you know, I, I, I really want to give God the benefit of the doubt. We want to say, God, I believe you. God, you're good. But then we start believing the lies. And we start saying, well, you know, I, I, I guess God... God can't be good and in control. Because if he's good and in control, he would do something about this. But because all these bad things are happening to me, then, then that just leads us to buy into the lie. And we, up, we end up thinking, well, you know, I, I can't trust God because all these things happen. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you're to the place where I don't think God exists. Because if God was alive, if God was true, then all these bad things wouldn't be happening to me. I would not have to walk through all this hurt if, the, if a God existed. So the question brings us back to, why, why doesn't God seem fair? 
If you're waiting this morning, I shouldn't tell you this at the very last because some of you will tune out after this, but if you're waiting for the secret recipe for the secret sauce, I don't have one for you this morning. But what I want to do is I want to point you to the one who can or the one that will one day answer all of your questions. And I can tell you this, the truth is that God is absolutely and completely in control. And I can tell you this without a shadow of doubt, God is good. And so let's look at some biblical truths here about God doesn't seem fair. The first truth I think we've got to look at is that we live in a broken world. I mean, it's a simple fact. We live in a bro- broken world. And maybe it's just because we live in a sin-stained world that things, things are happening. If you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you see that God created a world and everything in it, and it was good. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And then along comes Eve and Adam, right? And they sinned against God, and the world was not as good as it was before. When they sinned, it says sin entered the world, and there was punishment. There was consequences. There was a curse for sin. And we know that when sin entered the world, what entered? Sickness entered. Death entered. Pain entered. Sin entered the world. John 16, 33, he says this way. He doesn't, he, it doesn't say that you'll never get COVID. It doesn't say that you'll never run out of breath trying to tie your shoes. It doesn't say you're never going to get a zit before that first date. But here's what it does say. Because a lot of you are like, well, I'm a Christian. Nothing bad should happen to me, Right? But John 16, says this, Here on earth you will have what? Many trials and sorrows. We don't like that. But it continues. It says, but nothing bad should happen to me. No, it doesn't say that. It says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Yeah, it promises. It promises we're going to have trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. That's a promise for you. That's for you to put in your battle verse, your, 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 your arsenal right there. That's a battle verse for you. The fact that we didn't acknowledge that some bad things, maybe are just a result that we live in a world with sin in it. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes we may be victims of someone else's sin, or sometimes we're just a victim of the sin-stained world. But we have to start there, that our world is broken. That's why there's so much hurt. And the second thing I want to point out, the second point this morning, it's a little bit, it's it's harder to swallow. Because the generation that we're in right now, the the society we're in, this is not a a good point. And the point of the second point here is maybe, just maybe, and don't hate me, maybe it's your fault. I mean, let's just be honest. Maybe it's your fault. There are direct consequences for our sinful behavior. And I know we don't like to hear this, but just give me a few minutes. If we live sinfully, we face the consequences, the direct consequences of our sin. Okay, let me give you an example. If you show up late for work every day, okay, if you miss the maximum numbers of sick days you can miss, If you consistently leave early, you no longer have a job, right? 
But yet we say, Lord, let them have a job. And you get to see the Lord looking at you and saying, well, because you're lazy. <laughs> but we don't like to take responsibility, right? And Scripture says this in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What happens to a man who sins? The Bible says a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature, what happens? What does he reap? He reaps, he reaps destruction. Some of you may be in here this morning, God, why am I hurting financially? Well, one, you got a truck you cannot afford. You moved into a house you cannot afford. And you take vacations every six weeks that you cannot afford. Doesn't take a rocket science, right? You did this. It's your fault. And I want to stop for one second because I don't want, I don't want you to get the wrong view here what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that God is up there in heaven. He's waiting for you to make some dumb choices so he can, he can knock you down. I'm not saying every time you sin, God's looking to bring rain destruction upon you, right? We talked about this. We learned this in Mark. We learned this in Romans. What happens? So what happens is when we continue to do things that are not pleasing to God, God slowly just kind of, it separates us from God. Every time we choose something that we know is not right, we know is a wrong choice, we know is not pleasing Him, it causes division between us and God. And what you see happening is God just pulls back His grace. And in Romans it says it just gives us over to the lust of our flesh. So basically He gives you what you want. Along with what you want comes destruction, comes wrath, comes just all kinds of craziness. Because why? Because God's no longer involved. You, you push long enough and God's going to say, okay, you can have it your way. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So one, you know, maybe you're a victim of a broken world. Maybe, maybe it's your fault. Maybe you just got to put your big boy pants on and say, okay, it's my fault. This is where I'm at. And the, the third thing is maybe, maybe God is working behind the scenes. This is, this is one we don't like either. Maybe God's working behind the scenes. Maybe through something you don't understand, something you never wanted, something that's hurting you deeply, maybe God wants to do something in you like he did in John chapter 9. And John chapter 9 gives us a story of a blind man. And then this story, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this blind man, right? So all of his life, this blind man, he's got to ask the question, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Why, what's happening? Why didn't my brother get it instead of me? Or why didn't my sister, wasn't my sister blind and not me? Why me? He constantly asking. He had to have the questions. It's not fair. And if you read in chapter 9, suddenly all the people around this guy and Jesus start doing what we do, and we start trying to cast blame. Well, whose fault is it? Maybe his fault. Maybe it's her fault. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's the parents. You know, in verse 3, Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened. He was born blind. He had a rough life. In the Bible times, being blind, it was, it was a horrible experience for anybody. Kind of cast out. But what we know was, we know this, he was born blind. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The moment he goes from being blind to seeing, he has a story that's going to change lives around him. 
He has a testimony of God's power. Read it in chapter 9. I love, this is one of my favorite stories, all right? Because this guy, just a good old boy. He's not a theologian or nothing. And so he's blind, now he sees. Everybody's like, what happened? I don't know. I was blind, now I can see. Isn't it awesome? They take him to like the religious elite. They're looking for some theological reason why this happened. Give me the, the layout. Give me the 15 points or whatever. And he said, I was blind. Now I can see. That's awesome, right? That's the power of God. And that's the story he had. Because, but he did go through it. You know, it's like Joseph. Joseph's story. We know Joseph's story, right? Joseph, he was sold into slavery. He was uh, falsely accused, you know, thrown into prison. And all these series of events led to God elevating him to second in charge of Egypt. Through all of his years of hurting and being falsely accused and suffering, God was doing something good so that one day he could save a lot of people. This morning, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of anybody's pain or, or say there's a reason for your suffering. Because some of you in here this morning, I, I firmly believe it, it's still Friday for you. Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. I, what do you mean it's Friday? What I mean by Friday is we celebrate, we honor, and we reflect on the death of Jesus, what we call Good Friday. So imagine the disciples on that Friday, they had to be confused. They had to be lost. They had to be desperate and as afraid as you could ever imagine. Because they didn't know what was going to happen on Sunday. All they had was Friday. All they had were, were left in hopelessness. All they had was the lies of the enemy coming in and saying, you thought he was the one. You thought he was the Messiah. You're wrong. You thought he could save you. You're wrong. You thought he could do the miracles. You're wrong. That's all they were left with. And some of you sitting in here today, it's your Friday. You're going through some of the lowest points in your life. You're hopeless this morning. You came to church just because it's this tradition to be a church on Easter. But you're sitting there and maybe you don't even believe in God because you've been through, much pain, through so much pain and suffering. You're gone. You're like, that's it. There's no God. No God will allow me to go through all this. So you're sitting here and it's Friday for you. You're desperate. You're lost. You're confused. It's Friday. And you don't know what one day God can do for you. And I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you he's going to. I'm just going to tell you it's possible that for you it may be Friday. It may be dark. It may be hurting. But I want to tell you also there could be a Sunday in your future. One day you may realize it actually took a, a, a death it took a death in order for there to be a resurrection. He had to walk through that in order for there to be life. Some of you in the middle of that, you can't see that, so you could just so focus on your hurt, on your pain, on what you're going through, that broken relationship, that physical ailment, whatever it may be for you, you're so focused on it. All you can see is Friday. And all you can see, you don't know that God's working on behalf. You don't know that that thing you're going through that you hate right now, that thing that you don't understand why it's happening and led you to believe that God doesn't, left, doesn't exist, that God doesn't care. Well, maybe it's because we live in a broken world. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe God's working behind the scenes. And that's a lot of maybes. That's too many maybes for me this morning. So I want to tell you for sure, I know that when bad things are happening, God is doing something in you. 
In fact, there's a verse that speaks to this that we don't like to hear. It's in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. This is a hard one that when you're going through it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. It doesn't say happy. Don't be happy about it, but joy, and this joy is different. But count it all joy when you're going through hard times. Count it all joy when you don't understand. Count it all joy when you wish this wasn't happening. Count it all joy when you face many trials. Why? Because we know that the testing of our faith, it does something in you. The testing of our faith, it develops that kind of perseverance that we need for the day. The testing of our faith, it develops our faith to believe that God is doing something. That God is working something. I can't see, I don't know what it is, but I know that I shout out, God is doing something in my life. Count it all joy. Here's something I know about every single one of you. I, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your spiritual background. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or if you don't believe in God, if you're a Christian or if you're not. But I know if you live long enough, all of you have been through something that you didn't like. Something that you didn't understand and something that you knew wasn't fair. There's some of you sitting here this morning and you can look back and you can say, I, I would not have chosen that. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but it made a difference in my life. It made me better. It made me stronger. It drew me closer to God. I know there's a Miss Susie Campbell sitting in the audience this morning who has been through the roughest stuff I've ever heard in my life. But can I tell you who was cheering the loudest in worship this morning? <laughs> it was Susie. Because, <laughs> oh, she can look back and say, I don't want to do it again. It hurts. But, oh, look how my God, how big my God is. God is doing something in you. You can take any snippet of life and say, God doesn't seem fair in this. God, what are you doing? Here's the deal. You do life of God in his church, empowered by his spirit, and I promise you will declare with every bit of assurance that God is not only in control, but God is good. God is good. All the time, God is good. Let me wrap this up this morning and bring it back to the lie that God doesn't care. God doesn't care. Can I show you without a shadow of doubt why that is a lie? Easter. <laughs> Easter. I mean, I can walk away and that's it. I mean, that's, what more can he say? You say God doesn't care. I gave you Easter and tell me he doesn't care. The question so many people ask, it's flawed question. God doesn't care. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's flawed. The reason's flawed. Because why? We're not good people. Some of you are like, wow, I ain't even coming back to that church. <laughs> We're not good people. I'm not a good person. You're not a good person. We're scripturally. We're not. Scripture says what? We're all sinners. 
We've all sinned before a holy God. We all sin and fall short of God. There's not one of us who does good. Not one. Not even grandma. God rest precious soul of hers. The reason I need you to understand this this morning, because some of you say, well, I'm a good person. I hear that all the time. I'm a good person. I don't need that church stuff. I'm a good person. This is why it's so important, because until we see ourselves as sinners, you're not going to see your need for a Savior. So that's why it doesn't make sense to you. When we realize that we're not good, suddenly we can, we can acknowledge the bad things don't happen to good people. In fact, there's only one time in history that something bad happened to someone good. And that person's name was Jesus. And he volunteered for it. Something bad only happened to someone good one time as a son of God. And he stepped up and said, I will do it. I will become the first sacrifice. If you read the Bible, it says... The, the only way to atone from sin is a sacrifice of death. We all sin. There's no way we can get it right. God doesn't care. Oh, but he sent his son to earth to live as man. God doesn't care, but when his son was crying out to him in the garden against sin with the Lord, if this can take away this cup from me, God doesn't care. He wouldn't allow them to go through that. God doesn't care. He wouldn't allow them to be beaten and mocked beyond recognition. God doesn't care. He's hanging on the cross. My God, my God. Crying out to his father. Why? He does what he's called to do. He gives up his spirit. And on that Friday, no one understood. On that Friday, it didn't make sense. And that Friday, there was real pain, there was real suffering, there was real doubt, there was real fear. It was real. It took what no one wanted to bring what everyone needed, and that was the Savior of the world. Three days later, that stone rolled away, the tomb was empty, and he wasn't there. The gospel... Here's a beautiful thing about the gospel. Is that good things happen to bad people like you and me. <laughs> we should be celebrating this morning. Good things happen to bad people like you and me. Whenever you're tempted to say, God's not fair, God's not fair. I 100% agree with you, God is not fair. He is just, but he is not fair. And I am so thankful this morning that he is not fair. If he was fair, he would give us what our sin deserves. But scripture says, the good news is this, that God does not treat us as our sin deserves. He does not repay us according to our iniquities, does he? But it is what? What does he do? Scripture says he forgives us. He forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. So far has God removed our transgressions from us. Would you stand with us this morning? God is good all the time. All the time, 
God is good. Maybe you're here this morning, and it's Friday. You came out of obligation. You came because your wife talked you into it. Maybe your kids talked you into it. Maybe it's tradition, but you came, and I'm thankful you came. But you came this morning, you came with no hope. You came that you believe the lies of the enemy saying God doesn't care about you. You believe the lies so long, maybe you've given up on God, say he's not even real. And you just back into this self-made prison. And this is where you're at, this is where you're living this morning. And it's Friday. It's Friday because you're in a lot of hurt, you're in a lot of pain, you're all out suffering, and none of it makes sense. But can I tell you, there are Sundays on the way for you. <laughs> can I say you, have hope this morning because Sunday's close. There's a miracle for you. There's hope for you. He has promises for you. This morning, maybe you're in the middle of a tough season. God said, would you have faith? Would you quit believing the lies of the enemy? Would you start trusting him? Would you start having some faith this morning? That, yeah, I can't explain why this is happening, but I know without shout out, there's a promise in here that says he sees me. There's a promise in here that says he knows what I'm going through. There's a promise in here that says I am not alone. That's what he says to you this morning. Toughest time of your life. It may be Friday. It may be as dark as all get out. But have faith. There's a Sunday coming for you this morning. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Hallelujah, Lord.